1: But you don't know why I'm here.
0: Hey, hey! Oh, it's okay. Sting. All right, it's ding. Okay, it's it's sting.
1: This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. we've been hanging and banging brother you're next
0: watch real monsters go at it live on wcw monday nitro where the big boys play every monday night at eight on tnt hello and welcome to nitro nights a wcw watchback podcast taking in Everything from the first episode of Nitro, right the way through to the last. My name is Si, I am one half of the watch-back duo for this this show, and the other half, the the more talented half, the half everyone's really tuning in to hear, Scottish
1: Danny. How are you doing this week, my friend? Too kind, sir. too kind, but I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you?
0: Yeah, not too bad, buddy. Cheers, not too bad. Not too bad. Um... (laughs) I'll be honest, I'm I'm really enjoying these last couple of Nitros we've watched. Last week's was pretty decent. I think this one is kind of the same as well. I'm looking forward to the next pay-per-view already, and we've still got a couple more Nitros to get in before the next pay-per-view. So I- I'm enjoying this.
1: It can only go up.
0: Yes, yes. Well, it can't get much worse than fucking Halloween Havoc, can it? So- <laughs> uh the nitro we are looking at today is the monday november the 6th 1995 episode of monday nitro it comes from jacksonville and it is nitro interactive we will get to that in a moment the television rating for this episode of nitro was a 2.6 in comparison to monday night raw on the other channel as they called it which got a flat 2.0 nitro interactive danny we touched upon this last week effectively what we're getting told i i thought though i don't know what it was maybe it was the the sort of (laughs) links to taboo tuesday where every match and so on is is kind of influenced by the audience i thought we would have more interaction than we got but at the same time i appreciate it's 1995 the internet is very much in its infancy they're relying on the wcw hotline people ringing in to to try and pick and choose things for the show uh so, so basically we have a red dressing room and a blue dressing room. One has the heels in, one has the faces in, and people are told to ring in and pick who they want to face off in that night's main event, don't they?
1: Yeah, that's you explained it great there, sir because um, that you explained it better than they did on this show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the WCW hotline, another way of them making a few quid. It did actually say this week, kids make sure you ask your parents before you ring which i'm fairly certain when they started running the hotline ads they left that off so i don't know if they had complaints or not but yes there we go we're told early on in this episode that the macho man randy savage is injured and won't be able to wrestle and they said he's backstage angry throwing things around really cross because he can't wrestle but that's interesting because we'll get to him shortly then we have Heenan saying he wants the people to all vote, the humanoids to all ring in and vote for Tony Schiavone versus Mean Gene Oakland in the main event. He would love to see that. And to be honest, from a kind of really sort of, I suppose, sadist kind of level, I'd like to see it too, <laughs> just oh. see what happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm the exact same, side. I mean, I can imagine Dave Meltzer just rating that zero stars, which means I would have loved it.
0: <laughs> Minus 47 stars. <laughs> Uh, our opening contest is Cobra coming out to the awful beeping Morse code kind of effort again versus the giant who is apparently defending the world title, even though he's not officially the world champion. Cobra is a funny one for me. We touched upon him before when he wrestled on the pay-per-view we watched. The guy comes out and his music screams bad guy. His music screams heel. Like, it, it reminds me of the right to censor the beeping and sirens it reminds me of irs when irs used to come out to like the the tax machines clunking and 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 so on it's not music it's just beeps and it's annoying and it's horrible so it's really a heel music but this guy's a good guy he's coming out he's he's clapping the hands of the fans and he's saluting young kids he's handing over dog tags and all this but his music basically screams you should hate this guy what what do you think danny
1: no, you're completely right. You make a great point with the right to censor because that's the thing I thought of when um, we eventually did get to his music because at first they played the Dungeon of Doom's music. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, they got I, it the wrong way around, didn't they? Because you heard that laugh, didn't you?
1: I, I think they did that. I have this uh, thing in my head of... Um, the Giant and uh, the Cobra uh, seeing, standing backstage and the Giant just holds him by the chest and says, no, you go out first, I'm the champion. So <laughs> I think that's what happened.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Champions go out last, pal. <laughs> that's a big pet peeve of Mr. Mags' oh, yeah. chain wrestling with on a Monday. Champions going out first. He absolutely hates it. I mean, I think that's actually been put in the Hall of Lame on chain wrestling on a Monday night. Yes. What pet peeve of mine. I, I don't like it. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I've, to me, growing up, the champion always came out last. Uh, Shawn Michaels, when he was in the mid-card, and he was uh, the heel Shawn Michaels not long after the Rockers had split, and he had a couple of icy title runs, he used to come out first. And the commentary the commentary team would explain it away as, it's champion's prerogative. He gets to choose and Sean wants to come out to the ring first. So all eyes are on him and he gets to pose for the ladies. And I thought that was quite a clever twist on what they'd done before, but that wouldn't work if everyone did it. If that makes sense. And now they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like it. Champion stores come out last mate. Champion should come out last, but yeah, there we go. And the champion does here in theory, if he is the champion, I don't know. The giant does come out and he lifts up Dave Penzer, the ring announcer, doesn't he? Holds him up yes. in the air and gets him to announce the giant as the world champion.
1: I couldn't believe that. Um, I'd, never, I'd only seen Dave Penzer take one bump and that was in TNA. So even though this wasn't a bump, it was nice to see him get physical.
0: Yeah, it was. It was, it was quite funny. I got, I got a chuckle out like of that. And then we just get a big choke slam, One, two, three, and we're done.
1: So the Cobra can officially say he's been in a World title match.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Huh. Fair enough. Yeah, good shake that. Yeah. Uh, big old choke slam. One, two, three, done. And then the giant celebrates with his, his big shiny gold belt. And that's that, I suppose, for our world's title contest, we were promised. What well, was it, it was five amazing. seconds?
1: Yep, it was amazing because he not long had just fallen down to his death. And now he's here giving out classics. So
0: oh, that's bounce back ability that mate, isn't it? Eh? That's a, that's someone who can fight back from the jaws of tragedy. You know, the, 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 the edge of disaster to come back and win world title matches in five seconds. What a legend. <laughs> we go to the red dressing room, which is where the bad guys are situated. And we have big Bubba. We have Ric Flair, we have Scott Norton, Diamond Dallas Page, Shark, the Blue Bloods are hiding away in there somewhere. It's it, There's quite a few people in this changing room and they're all trying to get people's attention to be voted into to compete in the main event. But when you look down that list, I mean, we're not talking about Diamond Dallas Page, world champion in later years. We're talking 95 Diamond Dallas Page. We're not talking Big Bubba as in the big boss man in the late 80s. We're talking 1995 Big Bubba. And then you've got Shark and the Blue Bloods and so on. It's obvious Ric Flair is the one who people are going to be voting for here, isn't it, Danny?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, not, not to give a spoiler, but this these two whole segments were just, there was two stars out of all of them that everyone knew.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We then cut across to the blue dressing room where we have the Nasty Boys, Jim Duggan. Sting, JL, dressed in his best uh, Rey Mysterio cosplay again, Alex Wright, Johnny B. Bad, and Dave Sullivan. Have you seen Dave Sullivan before? Never, no, I've never seen him. He was in K in, in Storyline, or however you want to word it, he was Kevin Sullivan's dyslexic brother, apparently.
1: Oh, wow. No, I've never heard of this.
0: <laughs> yeah, and on his ring gear, he'd have his own name spelt wrong. So when we see him a little bit later on in the show, on the back of his jacket, it says, instead of Dave, it says Evad and stuff like this. So, yeah, not the best, not the best. No, no. <laughs> but again, you look down that list. I mean, Duggan, I've I got a soft spot for Jim Duggan, as I mentioned on the previous show. Johnny B. Bad has put on some good matches in this this Nitro watchback we're doing. JL is obviously Jerry Lynn and he's, he's fantastic. The Nasty Boy used maybe a touch past their prime here, but you know, Alex Reuters look good as well. But there's only really one standout, isn't there? Again, and that, and again, that's Sting. It's obvious what they're trying to do. They're trying to influence people to get Sting v Flair because of what happened at the pay per view.
1: Definitely. I mean, you could just see you could just see the whole night, couldn't you?
0: Mm, yeah, we're We then get an advert for World War Three, the next pay per view coming up. And I'll, I'll to be honest, I'm getting a bit excited about this. I haven't watched a World War Three match in a long time, and when I when I first had the adverts or people mentioning it on these Nitro watchbacks, we're doing, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit, and I was like, oh, okay, hmm, fell that's coming up soon, is it? Because our track our track record, but we've seen two pay per views, and they both sucked.
1: Hopefully, we'll get something good out of it. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. I agree. Hopefully, it will. again, like I said, the adverts. I'm starting to feel a bit excited. I'm looking forward to it. So. You know, maybe I'm going to be incredibly let down or maybe we'll be surprised because I've kind of forgotten what happens, which is great because obviously you're watching this for the first time. You know, you're you're watching it completely thrash as a wrestling fan. You've never seen any of this before. I'm watching it as a big WCW fan whose memory is shocking. So (laughs) I can can watch things back sometimes and it's like, oh, okay. That was awesome. I don't remember that. Oh, God, that wasn't as good as I remember. So I'm I'm looking forward to it as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, one thing I just have to say, um, the adverts that for these pay-per-views is outstanding because immediately you know that each pay-per-view is themed. Like the mm. first one was about war games. The second one was about uh, ridiculous monster trucks. And now this is about <laughs> the battle royal. So, I mean, it's clear-cut um, advertising that is really good.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's something that the WWE, I think, doesn't do anymore. We've touched on it before, haven't we, with regards to the stage sets and so on being different for each pay-per-view and they don't do that anymore and it's a shame. To me, you've got now, you've got the Rumble, you've got WrestleMania, you've got SummerSlam and, and so on. The ones that are in between, all the hell in the cells and I don't know what else there is, whether it's the Great Balls of Fire was there one year and, and all that. They all kind of blend into one, really. There's nothing to yeah. separate them out. Whereas you're right, Danny, here... There's a definite definition that they're separating each pay-per-view, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, as ridiculous as they are, at least you know what you're getting.
0: Yeah, yeah, spot on, spot on. Speaking of ridiculous, we've just been told earlier in the night that the macho man is in the building, throwing things around cross because he's injured. And we're then told we're going to go, th- to be fair, they don't say live because I rewound it to check. They don't say live, but they do say right now, we're going to speak with Hulk Hogan. Right now, we're going to go and see Hulk Hogan, insinuating it is live by right, actually saying it. So the Macho Man's in the arena throwing things around. We cut to Hulk Hogan. The Macho Man's in Venice Beach, sat with Hogan and a really shit version of Jimi Hendrix and some homeless drunk guy.
1: This uh, side was the, I can say hand on heart was the weirdest wrestling segment I've ever seen in my life. I thought, (laughs) I thought my TV had switched over to YouTube and I was watching some documentary or something. This was really, really weird. Um, What did you think of this segment? It's just,
0: it's just more Hogan nonsense, isn't it? It's just absolute crap. It's, I, I I tend to find with Savage and Hogan, when they're both on the same side, shall we say, when they're both good guys, they're kind of dueling for camera time. They're kind of dueling all the time for interview time, I guess. They got to get their lines in. And sometimes it gets really awkward. It comes across like Hogan finishes the interview with the whole, what you're going to do brother and flexing and all that. But then Savage feels like he's got to get a line in after. But then Hogan will say something again because he feels like he's going to get, and it becomes like a real sort of petty argument. Mm. But we've seen it loads already in in this watchback, even though we're only so many weeks in, haven't we?
1: Yeah, we definitely have, and this was um, this was very very weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, they got a guy basically. They're, they're, they're I think they're on the beach. They're, they're in Venice Beach, so I'm assuming they're actually on the beach. It looks like it, but you don't see any at the beach. They could just be in like a freaking supermarket car park for all I know. I, I don't know what, where they are. And you've got some guy who is knocking some distorted garbage out on a guitar and I, i'm assuming he's trying to sound a little hendrix-esque because you can kind of see the, the sort of stylings there that he's trying to borrow but he's not very good and he's singing and well I, you describe it as singing you probably get done to the trades descriptions act for that because it's, it's not singing at all and then they've got this weird homeless looking dude sat between them and he keeps chiming in with just rambling nonsense and uh, that's right yeah it sounds kind of like that it's just and i've got no idea what savage and hogan were trying to say what what point were they making that's what i kept
1: asking myself i was like what 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 is this (laughs) it's just
0: uh, i mean we've seen some brilliant stuff and we've seen some absolute garbage in the first 10 to 12 weeks however many episodes we've done now I think this is potentially the worst segment we've seen.
1: I would 100% agree. I mean, the only thing that could come out of this positive is I hope that those guys are still alive and they can um, sue the WWE Network to get some money because their image is still used.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good shape, good shape. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think now. Anything that is, is as bad as this. There's bound to be some stuff that we watched and went, oh God, that was terrible. I mean, the whole Yeti thing's not a good look for a start. But I think this is potentially the the worst segment we've seen so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, every every other segment at least had a point, at least had someone getting attacked or like a promo being cut or something like that, or a point being made. But this, it was like, okay, are these guys going to show up next week or at the pay-per-view to help Hulk Hogan? I just don't understand.
0: Oh, imagine it. Um, what I was going to say War Games, does not I Imagine at World War Three. that guy plays Hogan to the ring. <laughs> it's like a really bad cover of his his WCW entrance theme. Oh, man. That, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like to see, even though it would be terrible, I'd like to see that because just how bad it would be.
1: Yeah, same. But move over, Jimmy Hart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we return back to Nitro to see Kevin Sullivan making his way to the ring. We're going to see a Kevin Sullivan match again, Danny. In the recent ones we've seen, not been overly impressed have we let's be fair
1: no definitely not i mean the man started wrestling in the 70s so he was well past his prime
0: (laughs) yeah and he's working with the renegade who we discussed at length on a previous episode a very sad tale the renegade and this kind of i mean basically i'll run through the i'll run through the match quickly the renegade throws some terrible clotheslines to start off with they look awful then Sullivan kind of takes charge and he's hitting some big double stomps and so on. He goes for a swanton over the top rope, Sullivan, and he misses it. But at the time, I thought, okay, fair play for even trying that. That was impressive, you know? Uh, yeah. Eventually, Sullivan wins the match with a sort of thin, for modern wrestling fans, a sort of thin Balor-esque double stomp, but he comes off the middle rope rather than the top. And he he pins Renegade quite easily. And then Jimmy Hart runs in the ring with uh, some water and a rag and wipes all the paint off the Renegade's face, saying, you're not a Renegade, you're just plain old Rick, you're a nobody. And it's now, knowing how the Renegade's life ended up and his career ended up, and the fact that he was kind of shoehorned into this gimmick, it didn't work, so they just kind of abandoned him. And he ultimately ended up taking his own life when his contract expired and, and just the whole you're nobody, you're you're plain old Rick and all this sort of stuff. It's actually now, in two thousand and twenty two, quite difficult to watch.
1: Yeah. It really is. I mean, I was laughing there because um, just the way you compared Kevin Sullivan to Finn Bell, I was...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to paint a picture for anyone anyone listening along who has not seen these Nitros. I mean, I hope that people are watching along with us each week and so on. That, that'd that be fantastic. Let us know on the, on the social medias if you are, you know, at, at Nitro underscore Nights on Facebook and Twitter. But yeah, at the same definitely. time, I appreciate that there's a lot of shit we're watching so I don't want to subject people to watching that. <laughs> so, so when I'm talking about the finish of a match, I try and paint a picture in people's minds it, it, for someone who, I suppose I kind of, I kind of always lean back towards my 12 my year old daughter. If I said to her a, a jumping stomp, she probably wouldn't grasp what I meant. If I said to her like the big jumping thing that Finn Balor does just off the middle rope, she'd have a picture uh, in her head. It's obviously nowhere near as good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, just a tad off, but I, I completely understand. And you do make a great point about the ending of um, where Jimmy Hart just says, you're playing old Rick. Oh, I mean, it just does not age well, does it?
0: No, no, it's not. I mean, ultimately, it's more heel heat on Jimmy Hart and it works. He's getting booed to buggery in this match, isn't he? Everyone's booing him out the building and, and that, that works well sullivan is obviously you know dungeon of doom and a, a nasty piece of work so he's getting booed and renegade's getting some sympathy cheers i suppose and and the sympathy from the commentary team so for 1995 it did its purpose
1: yeah it really but, did and uh i will say one thing i think uh, kevin sullivan deserves credit because he did carry um renegade to it he did make him look like a threat in the match so yeah
0: yeah yeah, I think this is the best Sullivan has looked in ring so far since we started this watchback. I think this is the best Sullivan has looked in ring. He, he did quite well, cons- especially considering what he had to work with as well, as as you said, Danny. But it is that thing of, uh, in 1995, what they're doing here does make sense because of the heat they're getting on Jimmy Hart and the sympathy for the renegade and so on. But in modern times, with modern eyes, knowing how his life ended and, and the whole story of his career, how it base- basically shouting, you're not the renegade, you're just plain old Rick, you're a nobody. And that effectively, in real life, kind of happened and added to his depression and his woes and led to him taking his own life to a degree. That played a part. It is quite difficult in modern times to look at that without that popping in my mind, if that makes sense.
1: No, it totally makes sense. It's just visual representation, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ah, okie doke. We are now seeing Mean Gene again. He is with the bad guys in their changing room. Ric Flair is having a bit of a, a bit of a shouty rant. The nasty boys try and get a word in, but we cut away from them before they can actually finish what they're saying. And somebody turns the lights out halfway through the interview, which was quite funny because everyone then starts looking around at like, you know, why has that happened? we like, well, just go turn them back on. This is
1: <laughs> this was. Perfect um example when people say Double Stubby was disorganized or whatever. Obviously it could have just been a, a mistake, but um the fact that this made uh this was on live television, I was shocked. But Rick Flair saved this. He really yeah. saved this.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a decent promo from Flair, isn't It, it makes up for his recent ramblings where he's coming across like a crazy old man he's he's there shouting about sting and so on we get an advert then for saturday night's main event again and in there's a few matches listed a few interesting matches listed but a big one for me is the debut of disco inferno's music video i don't remember that happening at all
1: no that's gonna be one where we're gonna have to report back um yeah Yeah. that sounds really interesting
0: we're definitely i think we're gonna to have to check that out. we're gonna to to see if we can track down disco inferno's music video if it happened at all i guess we'll have to have a look into that for next week's episode of nitro nights danny
1: definitely i'm looking forward to that
0: yeah and, and something that was worth looking forward to as well when it was announced at the start of the show uh, the next contest is chris benoit versus eddie guerrero and this is to me match of the night this is bloody fantastic
1: yeah, it's the second time in our natural watch-alongs that they wrestle each other, and I'm with you with this. This was definitely match of the night.
0: Yeah, I mean, Benoit starts very fast, lots of chops, lots of clotheslines, and that sort of real short arm clothesline he does with like a real sort of a real, a real sort of like talk to it as he hits it. He sort of spins his body a little bit. A really vicious-looking snap suplex, a belly-to-back suplex. And then the commentators start talking about the cruiserweight division, which I thought was fascinating that they were bringing this up, Danny.
1: Yeah, they do. They've said, uh, we've got a lot to look forward to and things like that. Um, one thing I uh, really, um, it stood out to me was the bow and arrow that Chris Van did to Eddie Greer. It looked so crisp.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a funny one for me. I got a note on that myself because he calls it a bow and arrow, but it looks more like, I suppose a lion tamer or the Wars of Jericho, I suppose, it's like a very high Boston crab, isn't it? Bow and Arrow is a completely different move altogether. So I was surprised Heenan made that mistake.
1: Ah, see, I have made that mistake too because I followed Bobby Heenan. <laughs> as you should, my friend, as you should. I always trust Bobby Heenan.
0: But yeah, Bow and Arrow is a slightly different move, it quite, quite, looks quite different. Whereas this was very much. How Jericho used to do the walls of Jericho, or, or when it was referred to as the Lion team very early on, with the really high uh high Boston Crab sort of effort, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um did you see when Eddie Grau dived outside, uh landed on Chris Benoit, um an old lady pushed Eddie Grau
0: <laughs> No, I missed that. <laughs>
1: She pushed him in, uh, like just a full-on punch or push straight to the back where the grower moved, and you could, it was very noticeable. But yeah,
0: oh why I missed that! I must be making another note or something. Oh, brilliant stuff!
1: <laughs> we get some
0: Hogan talk during this match, which again is a shame, but you know, I suppose considering how Hogan heavy these episodes have been in recent weeks the fact that we're only getting little clips or little mentions of him now feels a little bit more natural it doesn't feel so forced down our throats i suppose danny
1: yeah definitely um especially after that segment um we need the yeah. whole colgan break
0: <laughs> yes indeed uh chris benoit hits a huge superplex and then a vicious power that power bomb oh my god it looked like he killed him
1: it did it was uh just brutal
0: yeah Benoit then hits uh, two suplexes that he combines with a neck bridge, a belly-to-back suplex, and a northern light suplex, before Eddie Guerrero counters a suplex to pin Benoit, whose feet were under the ropes. Hmm, some shenanigans, you say, sir? Yes, I do, mate, I do. So, obviously, we're not finished with that, because Benoit looked very cross that he wasn't uh, didn't have the pinfall attempt stopped because his feet were under the ropes, and made the referee know his feelings. So, I mean, if that leads to more Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit in this era,
1: I'm all about that. Oh, yeah, same, same, absolutely. We then
0: have a couple of adverts. First of all, it's the Matchaman Slim Jim advert, which made him and WCW a lot of money. And then a video, an advert for the video cassette tape of 4Brawl95, the first pay-per-view we covered on this show. And they were told it's coming out on VHS tape November the 7th. Did you have any VHS tapes, Danny, or are you too young for that and it's just DVDs?
1: Oh, no, I grew up with videotapes. Um, I have some uh, WWF ones from 2000 and I have the standard, every wrestling fan would have this. So I. um T- uh, taped over version of a video uh, like say a movie that was taped off of channel 4 or sky sports or something from WWF. i still have them do you sir
0: i got a few uh, mo- mostly most of my video cassette tapes are uh, sort of sentimental reasons i've got king of the ring 93 because i really enjoy that show i've still got summer slam 89 on vhs because that was the first tape anyone ever got me my auntie on my dad's side bought it me as a present when i was eight years old maybe and it kind of helped get me into wrestling in the first place wrestlemania 10 as well because that was the first one i kind of saved up to buy my own money Uh, and then i've got a few others like um i've got the the band wasp who who are one of my favorite favorite bands i've got a couple of concerts of theirs on videotape that haven't been converted to dvd or anything yet because they're just so damn old (laughs) but i've also got a um it's, it's quite funny. Anytime I record, anyone who knows my setup here, I mean, Danny's in the setup and a few other people have seen the setup of where I record. I've got to clear a few things out of the way to sit down to record. And then I've got to put it back again after i finish because there's not much room in this house. One of the things I pick up and move for every recording is a, a, a VHS video player that I refuse to throw out. And the wife is like, you never use it. We've been together 13 years. You've had this VHS tape player this this video recorder the whole time we've been together you've never used it just get rid of it and i'm like no i don't want it it's mine i love it
1: <laughs> I, i'm the same with you so i've got a video player um it's actually behind my television unused for since about 2007 right um, I, I keep it um yeah i just can't chuck that away that, that was uh Very, I think that was the very first piece of media around so you could play something on it. So, yeah, Uh, it's hard to chuck things away, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, and you got to think as well, if I want to watch, you know, Wasp live in London from 1985, how am I going to do it about my video player? So, (laughs) anyway, we digress, Danny. Let's get back to the wrestling before too many people turn us off, talking about old cassettes and so on. (laughs) Uh, The voting has been carrying on all episode, over the phone, and apparently Bischoff has just been informed by the producer that the winners of the vote, I guess, would be the correct term, and they're going to headline Nitro tonight. Surprisingly enough, I mean, this stuns me considering the selection of talent that was available from both locker rooms, but we end up with Sting versus Flair. Wow, I couldn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, there's no, there's no like, um, oh yeah, this percentage of people voted this is the number of phone calls or anything like that they just go oh yeah sting versus Flair won the vote so it could have ended up with i don't know bubba versus johnny b bad or some nonsense like that or dave sullivan versus i i don't know ddp or some crap like that you know because maybe wcw fans at the time were that are that sinister and want to watch that nonsense but we're not told it, it, it could have been anything but they literally just oh no it was sting versus Flair, and we just gotta take their
1: word for it so <laughs> Are you accusing WSW of shenanery?
0: No, shenanery. Wow, that's a, that's a new word. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that uh, was a botch.
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. We're keeping that. We're going to use that. Shenanery. That's going to go on a T-shirt.
1: <laughs> I have no idea where that came <laughs> from.
0: Big, a big T-shirt on the on the front, like big letters. WSW Nitro Knights. We're fans of shenanery. <laughs> uh sting versus Flair, though danny it's the to me it's the all-time classic wcw battle it it, it epitomizes wcw yeah we've already
1: Definitely. seen
0: it yeah we've already seen it on the first nitro we're gonna see it a few more times before we get to the end but uh yeah i, I quite enjoyed this how did you find our main event
1: Oh, excellent! You, I don't think these two ever had a bad match. Um, They were just, they just knew each other. This went longer than I'd expected as well, so that was a nice surprise as well. Um, There was just great storytelling all round, especially um, after the match. But we won't get into it now. What did you think of it overall, sir?
0: Yeah, it was good. It was like I said, Sting versus Flair. To me, it's got that nostalgia feel to it because. Babyface Sting, bad guy Ric Flair goes way, way, way back, you know, 1989, 1990 and all that sort of time. And, you know, the first Nitro, the last Nitro and many other events in between. It's it's really Sting versus Flair is a wrestling match that if I said to my mum and dad, who are both in their 60s now, uh, if I said to them, name me um, a, a wrestling match, namely two wrestlers who faced off and didn't get along, they'd probably straight away go to the likes of Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks because uh, you know our ages and where in the world we are. Up next, I imagine they would go Sting versus Flair. I imagine that'd be the next one they they'd, they'd say, especially my mum. I think she would come out with that. So it's it how it shows how symbolic that is. I think that as a contest,
1: yeah, it's definitely the equivalent to uh, The Rock versus Stone Cold.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we get no mention of Sting being the US champ, though, which is weird. He's not got the belt with him. It's not on the graphic when he walks out. The commentators don't mention it.
1: I I found that weird. I I thought to myself, maybe he lost it on a Saturday night that they didn't tell us about. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, very strange. Very strange. Uh, Sting's fired up straight from the off. Of course he is. Flair's just double-crossed him. Uh, And he, he uh, he chops Flair. He punches Flair. He clotheslines him. He gives a big press slam flair is knocked to the outside quite early on sting then no sells chops which are, I, i'm not a fan of people no selling moves but when sting and flair do it it just feels right
1: mm, it works doesn't it? it just yeah sting gets
0: hit with a suplex on the outside and stands straight back up to flair looking considerably worried that sting is back on his feet so early sting then misses a stinger splash on the guardrail on on the crowd guardrail on there so that looked really uncomfortable danny didn't it
1: yeah it really did i can imagine being a fan there as well and just seeing that and just hearing it as well
0: Mm. yeah definitely the the no selling i suppose continues a bit later on as well i mean flair takes control after sting hits the guardrail and he applies a figure four leg lock shortly afterwards in the ring. He's using the ropes a great deal to gain the extra leverage. And then eventually we get Sting dragging Flair away from the ropes whilst he is in the figure four and then screaming at Sting, flexing and beating his chest whilst he is still in the figure four. And this is just brilliant stuff for me.
1: Yeah, it really is. There was, um, if you look at all their matches, like it goes some, something like this where um, it's just very even and, um, yeah, just the storytelling is just incredible.
0: Without a doubt. And the way Flair the way Flair like goes, no, and holds his hands up and looks petrified of Sting coming back and Sting no-selling punches to his stomach and, and so on It's just it's just brilliantly done. It's so well done. Flair is stopped from using a chair at one stage. And then we get I suppose the standard Ric Flair, dirtiest player in the game tactics. The referee is distracted. Flair gets out some brass knucks, as they're called in the business. Lamp Sting. And I'll be honest with you, I'm thinking that's it. I'm thinking, okay, th- this is going to be the end of the match because they're going to go on and face each other more because this isn't going to be the end of their feud, surely. They, they've not long had the horsemen sort of get back together and the turn on Sting. So he goes to cover Sting, Flair does, and Sting kicks out at two. That surprised me.
1: That did as well. I mean, that that's what I was saying earlier. I was very shocked that this um, went as long as it did, but yeah.
0: Hmm. Sting eventually hits a superplex, applies the Scorpion for Flair to submit. Sting wins the match, but Sting won't let go and loads of the, the good guys arrive from the changing room where Sting was uh, selected via telephone vote, if we are to believe Mr. Bischoff. And Luger eventually arrives, despite the fact that Bischoff is yelling about Luger for a good quarter of an hour before he actually comes down. I mean, talk us through what happens here, Danny, with regards to Sting holding the Scorpion and Luger coming out. Of course, bear in mind, Luger has just joined the Dungeon of Doom as well. So it's an odd scene, isn't it?
1: It's very odd, yeah. Um, the the thing, the thing that stood out to me was, um, I, I thought that Sting was turning heel at this, but I mean... This obviously he wasn't because he was just frustrated when even announcers were saying, squeeze the poison out of Ric Flair, squeeze the poison out of him. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. Um it's They said that Lex Luger was at the top of the ramp a minute ago and then Sting came down and then went back in and attacked um, Ric Flair again. And it was like, and then uh, Lex Luger came down and talked to him. So where does this leaves us on a bit of a hook, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean with regards to Luger coming down, I'm not sure what happened. I don't know whether Luger missed his cue or whether Bischoff was getting a bit overexcited and shouted about Luger coming out because the, the, obviously the the rest of the the rest of the good guys from the same locker room as Sting come out and try and get Sting to let go of the hold. He's having none of it. Luger then arrives, talks to Sting, he then convinces Sting to let go and they both leave together. Which is strange because obviously Sting is the perennial good guy and Luger at this stage is a member of the Dungeon of Doom, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's how it was supposed to go. That's how, that's what was supposed to be seen on television. But Bischoff is shouting about Luger coming down before the other baby faces are in the ring. And he says Luger is being held back by security, but we don't see that now, is that just WCW's dodgy camera work again? Or is Bischoff trying to explain away an error by saying that Luger is being held back until he is supposed to arrive? I'm not sure.
1: No, it's it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, uh, that w- it was very interesting as well because even Hacksaw Jim Duggan got a good pop when he came out, didn't he? <laughs> oh,
0: I love a bit of Duggan, mate. That bloke's a legend. Yes. And we, we I suppose we come to the closing segment of the episode of Nitro. The giant is in the ring with his world title belt. And he is basically trying to declare he is world champion because Jimmy Hart had power of attorney for Hulk Hogan when he was representing him. And he wrote into the contract that if Hogan got disqualified, the world title would change hands at Halloween Havoc. But didn't Hogan win the match?
1: Yes. <laughs> so how does that work? I think this was um, just maybe Jimmy Hart just trying to make up storylines or Hulk Hogan not putting in enough effort um, would be my guess. But yeah, I mean, very a, a big um, missing storyline here.
0: Yeah, that's that's I, I'm sat watching. I mean, that does make sense. I'm fairly certain Hogan won at Halloween Havoc even though the Giant left with the title and Hogan got beaten up afterwards, wasn't the decision that Hogan won by DQ? Yeah,
1: because I was going to say, Hulk Hogan wouldn't lose on pay-per-view, so... Mm
0: -hmm. Really strange, really strange. A lawyer comes out to act on behalf of WCW and says that Jimmy Hart is half right. However, things are going to change a little bit because now we're, we're informed by the the legal representative for World Championship Wrestling, that the world title is going to be held up. It's going to be vacated. And the winner of the World War III 60-man three-ring battle royal in a couple of weeks' time will be the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I thought the lawyer cut a great promo. Um, Mm. He could have been a manager. Like It was really nice um, to be because I thought that this was going to bomb, but Nick Lambrose is actually a real Doves W attorney. (laughs) Ah, I've heard him uh, many times mentioned on Eric Bischoff's show and his podcast. And um, yeah, so when he came out, I was thinking, oh no, this is going to tank, but no, he actually cut a really good promo. But overall, I thought this was um, excellent. It it screamed um, Memphis wrestling at the end of like each episode. They had, something like this. If, if you remember the revived Memphis wrestling in 2006.
0: No, I've not seen a great deal of that. You're like an encyclopedia, Danny. You've seen so much wrestling, mate. You put me to shame. Talk, <laughs> talk us <laughs> through this Memphis reboot.
1: So uh, Memphis reboot, uh, from what I remember of it, because I started watching it on the wrestling channel and um, it was a kind of like a WWE development where um, they sent like people like the boogeyman down and Viscera and things like that. OK. And um, uh, yeah, it was it was very it was booked, very old school territory uh, style. And it, obviously the king was involved in this as well. And yeah, yeah. Uh, this one, this segment reminded me of that where we closed the show with everyone, the heels up in arms and uh everyone just panicking kind of thing. And you want to see what happens next week.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's what it is, isn't it? It's the hook to get you to tune in next week. It's the cliffhanger, isn't it? And straight away as well. They're not just saying we've got a sixty man battle royal. I mean bear in mind, the war Rumble is a huge draw. That's only thirty men. So you can see what Bishop's thinking here. we're going to double what they're doing. Oh we're going to have three rings as well, you know trying to get people to buy the next pay-per-view. Now the world title is on the line in that crazy sixty man three ring match. so it adds it adds more intrigue, I guess it adds more excitement for the for the upcoming show,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Hmm, okay uh, as always danny then i suppose we need to get to our woos and arrow brothers the good points bad points pros and cons of the
1: episode Woo, brother 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 brothers brother Woo,
0: brother do you want to go first or second i'll go first this week sir you crack on buddy
1: okay so the woo was definitely chris van roa and eddie guerrero's match um i thought that was really cool uh what was your woo sir
0: Exactly the same, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero. It was fantastic. Sting, Flair was right up there as well. I really enjoyed the main event, but yeah, Benoit Guerrero for me, my friend.
1: And the O brother was definitely a hundred percent. It was um, the Lex Luger not um, missing, well, possibly missing his his cue. Uh, what was your O brother this week's? Oh,
0: mine, mine was Savage and hogan down at venice beach with the crappy version of Jimi hendrix and some drunk homeless dude who decided just to sit in between them and have a bit of a cuddle
1: (laughs) (laughs) that nearly was mine but i'm hoping that plays out on something big
0: yeah I, i don't think we're gonna get any payoff for that mate i could be completely wrong i may be remembering it wrong but we'll have to see we'll have to see in upcoming weeks on nitro nights okay then so overall what are we thinking hit miss or middling
1: definitely hit with this one um we had two excellent stellar matches and you had that ending that i really enjoyed um what would you say sir?
0: yeah i agree i agree i mean we had some absolutely horrible wobbly crap the the savage hogan stuff you know wondering what was going on with luger music cues getting missed and so on but the actual in-ring stuff this week was bloody fantastic really good the commentary was awesome you know it it's it, it was great it was a great show you know i mean one thing we didn't touch upon was a bit more of the japanese contingent as well arriving and you had liger and you had chono and various other faces sat in the crowd so that's interesting for the future as well and a uh, ben Guerrero sting for yeah Absolutely great stuff. It's a hit for me, my friend. Okay, then. So before we depart, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you on the old interwebs and all about the content and shows you're involved in, Danny?
1: So you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggler, where I, I pretend to be a Scotsman each it's day. It's a gimmick. <laughs> and you can hear me on A Changing Attitude. You can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast. And you can hear me here, where I'll be next week with Sai.
0: You will indeed, you will indeed, as we fast accelerate to World War III, 1995. You can find me on Twitter, at SJP Words, and there's a group on Facebook as well, SJP All The Shows On Info. Uh, Follow either or or both of those, and you will find links to all the stuff I'm involved in. Any articles I write, any shows I do, Nitro Nights here, for example, Chain Wrestling with Mr. Mags. Uh, on a monday night live and the podcast version that comes out later in the week we have the waiting room a quantum leap podcast and we have the doctor who pod that i do with our good friend dan griffin plenty of stuff out there you know ticks all the boxes for nerdy people like me wrestling sci-fi time travel excellent stuff yeah at sjp words on twitter for that but most importantly you can follow this show on facebook and twitter by searching at nitro underscore nights chuck us a follow let us know what you're thinking so far let us know your memories and thoughts about wcw we're getting more and more people interacting with us all the time and it's it's, it's just great to see you know and uh, people messaging and, and tweeting saying they're enjoying the show keep up the good work and so on thank you to all of those people who are doing that it's hugely appreciated and as always thank you to everybody who, who presses the play or download button danny
1: yeah definitely it's really fun to um, interact with people on Twitter so I've enjoyed it
0: great stuff great stuff I will speak to you again next week my friend and as always to everybody else thank you for listening